So giving must become an act of worship mm. that is in obedience to the word and is obedience to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you as he speaks to you. And the only way it can become an act of worship is if it becomes first. Mm. First is important. So when it comes to giving, that's the reason, that's the purpose of the tithe. You know, tithe and tithing are two different things and people debate these things, but tithe means 10%. Mm-hmm. Tithing, what most people never understand, is the manner in which you bring the 10%. Wow. So you could be giving properly, uh, the proper amount, but you're not giving it the right way. Mm. When it's filled to the top, that's salvation. Mm-hmm. But when it starts to overflow, that's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. So when we're filled to the top, that means everything's working good for us. We're good. We're full. But if anyone outside of us is going to enjoy the benefit of what we've received, there must be overflow. Wow. Hey there. I'm Matthew Foley, and this is ISO Insights, where God's truth grows in the midst of current culture, renewing the mind and spirit. Welcome back to ISO Insights. I'm your host, Matthew Foley, and today I'm very excited about the guest we have on. We have uh, Bishop Alan DiDio, and uh, he has a uh, sprawling YouTube channel that's grown uh, in, in strides, and he has also been lot behind him. He's the head over the Encounter Ministries and Encounter Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, that I found out today is a a recent plant that they've moved there to start that ministry. Um, And as it says, I'm quoting their website now, uh, that he has taken the gospel to nations such as Pakistan, China, Israel, Haiti, and Guatemala. And he also hosts the Encounter Underground podcast. And like I mentioned earlier, the Encounter Today on YouTube, which reaches tens of thousands of people around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is an ordained bishop and overseer within the City Harvest Network. Uh, and that ordination for bishop happened in 2022. And he is a happy husband as well as a father of two children. So, Bishop, it's so nice to have you on. Thank you for coming on our it podcast. Is- such an honor to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm getting tired just hearing all that, but <laughs> but but also thankful for what the Lord has done over the over the years, and and uh, so excited to be able to share with you and and your students. Absolutely, and I I kind of just wanted to hop in, um, firstly because I'll mention a little bit. Uh, what kind of spurred this uh, connection and why I wanted to reach out to you. But I do want to hear first for everybody listening uh, for a few minutes here, what uh, was the factor that God used to call you into ministry, to call you out from darkness into marvelous light? And what's led you to the calling and the purpose you have today in your ministry? What is your vision? Wow. Well, it started at 17 years of age. By that time, I had been in jail more times than I'd like to admit. Wow. By the time I was 17, I was an atheist, but I had a radical encounter that involved an encounter with Satan Mm. uh, that proved to me if Satan's real, then God is real. And that's a long story. And you can hear more about that on our channel and our ministry. We talk a lot about that testimony because we're really passionate about winning the lost, particularly those who are bound by that kind of deception. But Mm. we had an encounter and that's why we call our ministry Encounter Ministries, because more than a denomination, more than a a book or an individual, people need to encounter Christ. Mm. And I had that radical encounter at 17 years of age. And a few months later, I was in Bible college uh, serving in an international ministry. And from there, I ran an international prayer center for several years where I prayed for more than 100,000 people (sighs) one-on-one praying for people. Uh, Not crowds, just one-on-one. So Mm. my, my first ministry was a prayer ministry. And uh, then went down to North Carolina, launched a church, and uh, we wanted that church to be kind of a 
a base of operation to do missions work, which took me to places like you mentioned, Haiti and Guatemala, Pakistan. We've started more than 200 churches in the nation of Pakistan, and we partner with some amazing ministries in Israel as well. So uh, that kind of brought us to where we were in 2019, and then we can talk about how we launched into media ministry if you want. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, and uh, I-, I will mention, because we, we entered in <laughs> we entered in the his courts with thanksgiving. Um, it was a gates with thanksgiving, courts with praise. Uh, but we, we entered into this conversation uh, because I had uh, heard from your son just a moment ago about how important it was to you that God was putting it in your spirit that there was coming a time when revival would come through on the online medium and through the camera. And uh, here at this ministry, years ago, before COVID broke out in 2019, I could mention this real quick because I definitely want to hear, you guys seem to have a flip of the coin experience with this, um, where you, you had this very similar thing happen. Perry basically had been doing a usual, he was preparing for a usual Thursday night prayer meeting, which is used to be called um, the Firehouse Fire fire Prayer Meeting. I, I can't remember the exact name. Now it's called, uh, man, oh my goodness, it was, I can't believe it's it's flying my name. We have it every Thursday. It's fire something. But it's a, yeah, it's a global there's prayer fire, meeting. There's fire, that's all that matters. Yeah, there's fire. It's a global <laughs> prayer meeting. But uh, we, we have every Thursday. And before it happened, Perry had this word come to him from the Lord because they were getting the camera prepared. He was literally repositioning the camera so it pointed towards his seat. And the Lord mm-hmm. spoke to him and said, revival is going to come through the lens of a camera. And wow. he felt the Lord say to him, you need to focus much more of the trajectory of what you're doing away from as much just the in-person conferences, not to get rid of them, but more towards the fact that there's soon coming a time when people are going to experience the power of God through the camera. And you guys seem to have a similar word, isn't that true? Yeah, absolutely. It was going in, it was, as we're exiting 2019, this is in the, I believe it was November, October, November of 2019, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me in my office with a sense of urgency. He asked me this question, what would church look like or your ministry look like if it was entirely online? This is in October, November of 2019. It was so urgent, it shook me. I stopped what I was doing. I don't know if you've seen one of those kind of the, the meme of a crazy conspiracy theorist where he's got, you know, threads running across the wall. And yeah. he's, I was kind of like, I, I called Evan into my, my, my son into my office and got some key leaders together. And like, you know, I'm crazed, my hair's, and I'm like, well, we could do this and we could do this. And if we were online and well, what are you talking, what do you mean online? Are you saying we're not going to do church? No, no, no. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the Lord is saying. I just know we need to be prepared to do ministry online. And so by January, we began of 2020, we began to implement these things, February, put them into place. And then all of a sudden, as you see the prophetic accuracy of Perry Stone's ministry, all mm-hmm. of a sudden the world shuts down and yeah. people are without church. And the only way for them to have church and ministry for many people was to join with ministers like Perry Stone and myself online. Mm-hmm. And so we were positioned to do that. And so our YouTube channel exploded because we weren't just talking to people. We were, we were trying to find a way to connect with them personally and, yeah. and minister to them. And uh, I started doing interviews and it just blew up. Hundreds of thousands of people began to tune in and watch some of these interviews. I said, Lord, what are you doing? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm giving you Goliath's sword. Wow. Most people most people don't know the story of Goliath, David and Goliath. They know the Sunday school lesson where mm-hmm. David you know, had the slingshot, but that wasn't all. After the slingshot, David climbed atop Goliath's defeated carcass, unsheathed Goliath's own sword, and separated his head from his shoulders. Wow. What did What did David do in that moment? 
He took enemy technology and turned it against the enemy. And God said, I'm going to anoint ministries I can trust to take Goliath's sword, which is media ministry, and use what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. Wow. Man. Come on, I get excited just thinking about it. We're doing it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Right now we're doing it. Yeah, taking the weapons of the enemy and turning it against them. That's amazing. And that's happening. I got to say that's happening at the... Our culture, when we look around, the longest, one of the complaints, I talked to my wife about this yesterday, and this is pretty crazy because this is spiritual. I, I believe creativity is a spiritual thing. Um, even when it comes out of evil areas, it's originally a gift from God that's perverted. Come on. And there for decades, for decades, people in Hollywood, people that have abandoned morality, have abandoned Christianity, they're the people that have been the, the edge of the spear when it comes to being creative and thinking of new, innovative ways to do things. But just now in the last 10 years, they've been running out of gas, almost like they yes. can't think of any new ideas, new movies, yes. new TV shows. And it's like God is turning over those methods and giving the righteous ways of thinking that they've never had before now, preparing for wow. what's coming. It's like the end time transfer that's talked about from yeah. the hands of the wicked to the hands of the righteous. And you're right. It's almost like a supernatural blinder have come across their eyes. And these people who have created these amazing, of course, all of these narratives and amazing stories are based off of biblical narratives and, mm-hmm. and biblical concepts. But they've they've departed from them, and they can't even do Snow White right. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're they're just they're collapsing. And so we see these this parallel economy again rising, where conservative organization Christian Christians have got to get on board as well are creating amazing movie content, television mm-hmm. content. Bent Key, which is a new children's app with a, with amazing conservative content. Yeah. It, and we're living in a glorious time right now. Mm-hmm. As, as it gets darker in Egypt, it's getting brighter in Goshen. Come on. And I'm telling you, the glory of the Lord is rising. And those who are prepared for the shift that's coming are going to flourish in the mm-hmm. body of Christ. But if we're unprepared, we're going to flounder. Wow. So we've got to make sure that we intentionally prepare ourselves, position ourselves. Listen, I'm the old guy in the room. I got I got gray in my beard. Mm. I'm not a tech. I'm not a techie guy. Evan was around yesterday for a Zoom meeting, and it almost didn't happen because I couldn't figure out how to do Zoom. Mm. That's how that's how technologically um, obtuse I am. Mm. And yet, I realize I've got to learn this. I've got to figure this out because this is the medium where the world is and how we're going to reach them. And that word from Perry Stone, I'm telling you, it just it, it's given me chills to consider that he spoke wow. that word in 2019. That's exactly a word for us right now. There's a revival coming through this screen if we'll pay attention, if we'll embrace it. Wow. And I think that when we talk about the wealth of the wicked be transferred to the righteous, most of the time when I've heard people talk about that in the church, they immediately think what it means is suddenly things are going to become hard for the wicked but easy for the righteous. We're going to get all this money, but I don't think people think of it as resources, that the resources of the wicked will be given. And that brings, with resources comes responsibility. It comes not just ease, it comes a fight. You have to fight a war when you have resources because you have a vision. But that's that's kind of what I wanted to hear from you because a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, you posted a video on your channel uh, with uh, Larry Sparks, Brother Larry Sparks, and the two connection points that made me want to reach out um, and feel like I could reach out was, number one, we had Rod Saunders on our show. Uh, and oh, yes. He Love had Rod. you guys on there, and I was really uh, loved that. That was a great episode. And also, you had talked about the Free Chapel Revival with Jensen Franklin and Perry Stone. And you had Brother Larry Sparks on talking about it. And I really loved what you had to say. Um, And 
God began to move. One thing that you really highlighted about that was the ease of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit for people. Now, Perry's had that kind of follow him around in his ministry. He has a gift when it yes. comes to that. Yes. But what do you feel is the importance for the power of the Holy Spirit today and how people are going to be receiving that through an online medium? What do you think's coming? I think we're in an Acts 19 moment where Paul, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, you know, people always ask, what's your favorite verse? And I, I don't know, the one I need at the time <laughs> is my favorite verse. But my favorite chapter is, I have to say Acts 19, because it's so out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. You start off with the Apostle Paul approaching these disciples who were who were saved, they're disciples of Jesus, and he asks them a fascinating question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Which we'll come back to here in a moment. And then it goes into the seven sons of Sceva mm-hmm. attempting to cast out a devil and being uh, torn, torn up and beaten up, as opposed to it juxtaposes that with a anointed cloth hmm. that you lay a cloth on someone and the devil comes out, but you have seven religious people <laughs> trying to cast it out and they can't do it, which it's showing like in one corner, we have the anointing mm-hmm. and in the other corner we have religion and it shows how, how futile religion is. And I think we're in that moment right now where we're, we're, we're going to have to rediscover the anointing of mm. the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And in that, I believe that's connected with what the Apostle Paul said there to the disciples at Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Mm-hmm. We have we have a, a culture today where, especially, you know, us on who are part of the Bible Belt, where everybody thinks they're saved. Yeah. Everybody knows, you know, everybody believes they're born again and all that kind of stuff, and, and many of them may be. But here's the question for them all. Have you received the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. since you believe? I think that's what the, the Apostle John when he recorded the words of Jesus, I think that's what Jesus was referring to at Ephesus when he said, you've left your first love. Well, what mm. was their first love? Well, if we go back to Acts 19, they fell in love with the Holy Ghost and the mm-hmm. baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I think that's part and parcel of where we are right now. We must return as Pentecostals, as charismatic, as spirit-filled believers to a love. We must, we must become infatuated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit mm. and recognize it is one of the great two apologetics of our day, especially in the United States right now, that we need to minister evangelistically, mm. not just about the born-again experience, which needs to be a part of that, but about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and become evangelistic about it and get as many people as we can baptized in the Holy Ghost or else they'll fall prey to the deception of the hour. Wow. Wow. And if you can point to someone listening, let's because there are so many Christians in this nation and their background is, and even sometimes in churches that used to be in the, the, the thick of the power of God, there's a lot of regression into mm-hmm. not wanting demonstrations that would shake things up in a service. Uh, I, I just want you to talk about the benefit to someone who hears what you're saying. This is the difference between before the baptism of the Holy Spirit and after. Well, it's like finding out your car has a passing gear, right? <laughs> it's like awesome. it's like finding a turbo button in your car in a James Bond type car and realizing that the 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 governor that you've been using is not necessary. Mm. That you can exceed uh, the speed at which you've been traveling through the anointing. So it gets we get out of trying to accomplish with the arm of the flesh mm. uh, what God's called us to do, and we actually get into the grace mm. of God that will enable us. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, really. It's an endowment of supernatural grace to do what you could not have do, done on your own 
Wow. And I think at times we've, you know, because of the theological battles that we've had, you know, if you go to the dentist, if you brush too hard, your gums recede, mm-hmm. right? If you press too hard. And there may have been some some people pressing too hard on certain issues that have caused, and there, and there was, well, maybe I'm not even pressing too hard if we're just kind of talking here. Mm-hmm. Through the 80s and 90s, there were so many scandals uh, that the media highlighted. And I think we're discovering in recent days how the media paints a picture of <laughs> yeah. characters they don't like that aren't true. But the church just kind of bought it hook, line, and sinker that, well, this is excess, mm-hmm. and this was done inappropriately, and this is wrong. And they kind of painted with a broad brush the charismatic, spirit-filled movement that have caused many in the body of Christ today to recede ministers, ministries. And I'm going to talk to them for a second. If you've kind of pulled back because you're afraid of being associated with or or being aligned with some sort of excess somewhere. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. No matter how balanced you may think you are coming across as, no matter how calm and no matter how biblical you are, they're never going to accept you. They're never going to like you. Hmm. Just get radical. And what's going to happen when you get radical and you begin to preach these things? You're going to discover there's a world of people out there who are hungry for it who are desperate for it and have just been waiting on somebody to stand up and say, this is it. Here it is. Here's the answer to the ailments that you're facing in your life. Here's the power that you've been needing. And they'll come like moths to a flame Mm. and receive of that anointing. But we just got to be bold about it. Mm. And if, and if we'll receive this, and I I know I was supposed to talk to people about the Holy spirit, but I want to talk to these ministers. If you'll get bold about ministering it, I'm telling you, people will come to receive and listen and hear. That's what we're seeing with, the Jordan Petersons of the world, mm-hmm. which our friend Mario Murillo says it's it's a stolen thunder where these people who aren't saved are filling stadiums mm-hmm. full of people who are hungry for truth, and they're almost getting there. And listen, they're gathering, and there's no smoke machine. There's no light show. There's no great music. Mm-hmm. They're just coming to hear truth. If we will begin to declare the baptism of the Holy Spirit in truth and in power, don't worry about the show. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the presentation. They'll come to receive of this truth. And for those of you who are not operating in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or have allowed it to wane in importance in your life, this is the time. Mm. It's about to get really dark out there, and it is dark out there. But this is the time where if you will lean into this, I think you're going to find a power, a glory, an answer that you didn't even know was possible. Wow. And you know, that's so true about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the baptism. Uh, Like, I think about this. Jesus, he said to his disciples when they first were ministering under, when when he gave them the authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to operate like he was operating, he said, now do not go to the Gentiles or to the region of the Samaritans. And of course, when he says, minister to the lost sheep of Israel. But then, after he is, when he was about to ascend in Acts, Right before he goes up, he says, after I go up, something's going to happen. And you need to wait in Jerusalem until power comes on you from the Holy Spirit. And then go into all nations. So that has to mean that with that power comes the ability to discern between lies and corruption that the culture of the world is trying to push onto you, that you wouldn't have been able to resist in the same way. Like you no longer have to stay in a bubble, but you get to go out on the aggressive and begin to attack the kingdom of darkness. Come on, yeah, it it puts you on the offense. And I I picture it like a glass of water. Mm. When it's filled to the top, that's salvation. Mm -hmm. But when it starts to overflow, that's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. 
So when we're filled to the top, that means everything's working good for us. We're good. We're full. But if anyone outside of us is going to enjoy the benefit of what we receive, there must be overflow. Wow. And so that's why we have to wait until we are endued with power. When it's not just in us, but it comes on us. Hallelujah. And when it comes on us, then we can put it on them. And that's the glory of the anointing. You know, it's tangible. It's transferable. If it's on us, it can be on them. And so that's the Mm -hmm. importance of it. If you've got it in you, that's great. Your four and no more can now make it to heaven. But if it's gonna, if that water is gonna benefit anyone, it has to leave the glass. Mm. And the only way for that to happen is in overflow. Mm. And I believe God is calling us to seek Him for an overflow. Thank you so much for watching ISO Insights, ISO Bible College's podcast. And I wanted to let you know about something that we offer, making it easy for you to see the rest of the courses that we have sampled in our videos here on our YouTube channel. You can use our All Access Pass, which you can find more about both in the description below and at isow.org, our website. By using the All Access Pass subscription, $99 a month, will get you full access to all of our course catalogs. So please do go over and check out our all-access pass at iso.org. What do you feel right now are the major pitfalls the enemy's trying to create for this nation, for the United States? Where are we at? And what would you say to the church that needs guidance? People that are saying, listen, I need guidance to know how to keep my children from this mess, how to, how to deal with it myself, because the level of insanity, I don't even know how to talk to some of these people. What would you tell them? Yeah, when I, when I asked the Lord about 2023 and 2024, he gave me two words, national emergency. Mm. And he took my mind back to 9-11. Wow. And I remember where I was. I was working in an international prayer center at that time. I was receiving calls from people on the ground there. And not long after that, I remember visiting the site and just the gaping hole and the rubble surrounding those heinous attacks. And the Lord showed me that there's coming a similar attack. And he began to parallel in my heart and in my spirit. The four planes were sent, four mm-hmm. planes. So this is going to see the darkness that's coming, what we're facing. This is what we're facing right now. The first two hit the World Trade Center. So that means 50% of the enemy's attack, the majority of the enemy's attack is against your finances. Wow. I believe there's coming a a currency war soon and very soon that's going to happen both uh, internationally, geopolitically, and Mm. over digital currency. But we as believers, if we want to protect against this, we've got to get our stewardship right. Mm. We've got to get our understanding of biblical finances right because the enemy's coming after our finances. Mm. Secondly, uh, there was a plane that went into the Pentagon, Pentagon, Pentateuch, hmm. Pentecost. Here we have our protection. The Pentagon represents our protection. And if the Pentateuch doctrine, hmm. Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these things, the word and the spirit protect us. And the enemy is coming after doctrine and he's coming after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you're going to have to connect with local churches that preach doctrine Mm. and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is how you're going to guide your family through these difficult times by being a part of a community of believers. And in that community, there's going to be supernatural protection for you. Mm. And then finally, the plane that crashed in a field in Pennsylvania was intended potentially for the Capitol building, which deals with authority. Mm. The enemy is after our authority. There must be a revival in the heart of the believer 
of an understanding of our authority in the name of Jesus. And if we will begin to secure those three areas, our biblical stewardship, abundance, provision, giving, all Mm. of those things, if we will begin to secure doctrine and the baptism of the Holy Spirit through submitting to our spiritual authorities, through community, and rediscover our authority, then we can guard against the attacks that are coming in these last days. Wow. And because this is one thing, the first point about stewarding finances, this is one thing, first of all, I understand a lot of people, there's a lot of emotion that goes behind finances because it's where you get your daily bread, <laughs> physically, not spiritually. Uh, but it's it's something that when, you're, when you've got it right in front of you and it's yours, it's easier to look at somebody else's. But all those emotions and nerves try to hit you. Wow. What are the fundamental things that you say? I'm sure you already tell your congregation about this, but these are the top things when it comes. If you can get a hold of this in the stewardship of your finances, that's a step, the major step of faith to begin to get peace and control to where you're going to build that trust with the Lord that he will help you. Such a good question. I think Luke 16 is the first place I go where Uh, Jesus says that if you're not faithful over unrighteous mammon, Mm. who will give you anything of your own? And so the the value of stewardship and understanding biblical finance must be elevated in the life of the believer. If you're going to enter into the provision that God has for you, the revelation God has for you, you cannot underestimate its importance. When people say, well, I want to focus on true riches. But what Jesus says there, and they're talking about, you know, salvation and heaven Mm. and peace and all those wonderful things and joy. What Jesus is saying there is he's watching how you handle money to determine whether he can give you those things. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's So you can't yeah. underestimate. That's like that's a shocking revelation that he's going to watch how I handle my finances mm-hmm. to determine whether he gives me true riches. That's right. Why would he entrust to you true riches if you can't handle those little greenbacks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those dollar bills that you have in your wallet? And so that's why it's important. And so worship – so giving must become an act of worship mm. that is in obedience to the word and is obedience to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you as he speaks to you. And the only way it can become an act of worship is if it becomes first. Mm. First is important. So when it comes to giving, that's the reason, that's the purpose of the tithe. You know, tithe and tithing are two different things, and people debate these things, but, but tithe means 10%. Mm-hmm. Tithing, what most people never understand, is the manner in which you bring the 10%. Wow. So you could be giving properly— uh, the proper amount, but you're not giving it the right way. Mm. But if you will bring it as an act of worship and bring it first before anything else, mm. before your taxes, you know, before your bills, before Christmas, you bring it first. That's a good first step. So elevating number one, it's importance in your mind because God elevates it. Mm-hmm. And then number two, putting it first as an act of worship and putting it first is what makes it faith and what makes it worship. Mm. How do I know if this was in faith? So uh, here's an example I give people. If I set in front of you 10 $1 bills, which one is the tithe, for example? Well, it's the one that comes out first. Wow. It's the one that comes out. That's what makes it faith. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it worship when it's first. Wow. That's like the mark of trust. You say, Lord, I'm trusting yes. in you by giving the top of the cream of the crop to you right when I get it. Come on. That's wow. exactly right. Praise and then God. you can move on from there. Then revelation comes, and the windows of heaven open over your life, and you can grow into the different kinds of giving. Then you grow into alms, and you mm. grow into sowing seed and these kinds of wonderful things 
that are that are amazing and have blessing attached to them. Mm. But you got to start with making it first wow. an act of worship. And, and I want to say, because sometimes people hear this and they'll immediately be defensive, but I really think that it's important that anyone listening to this knows, I really believe that the bishop, when he's saying this, this is about security over your finances. Because the Lord yeah. said in Malachi, if you do this, he'll keep you in times of trouble. <laughs> Everybody else will have famine, but you'll have plenty. So this is, when, when crazy stuff starts to go down, this actually keeps you. <laughs> so, yeah, and you um, got to watch yourself, you know, because the spirit of mammon yeah. hates this message. Mm-hmm. And it rises up within people. That, that, that spirit, you can feel it kind of coiling yeah. around people when you start to talk about issues like this. Mm. And you got to break that thing over your life and, and, and realize it's been a propaganda campaign campaign from the enemy to propagandize you with really a Marxist ideology concerning mm. finances wow. that are in the body of Christ. When they attack prosperity, you can compare the attacks directly to Marxism. It's wow. the wording, the terminology, the spirit behind it is a hundred percent in line with one another. I believe it's an antichrist spirit. Wow. And, and they'll say, well, why is the preacher talking so much about it? Because he spent, you know, 15 minutes in the service while they spent 40 hours that week going after it. Yeah. Well, you stop spending 40 hours a week going after it and God will stop focusing on it too. Wow. But that's not going to happen because we need these things in order to live, in order to function in society. And so God wants to make sure your priorities are great. I'm not saying this to receive an offering. Mm-hmm. I think I think you ought to sow into this ministry, into Perry Stone's ministry, into this amazing school here and 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 to the local church that you're a part of. Mm. be an active mem- part of, of that local church. So we're not saying this for an offering now. We're yeah. just saying this. The enemy's going to attack this area. The only way we can break through and not be affected by it and actually prosper is by understanding these principles before he does. Absolutely, 100%. And to, to close up here, uh, I love it that the last thing that is mentioned in your About page on your website is your priority of family mm. and that family is the first ministry. And the reason I love that is because growing up Pentecostal and charismatic, and this is true, I'm sure, for any Christian group, maybe except Catholic, because their priests don't get married. (laughs) But there are other problems that ensue with that. But anyway, uh, so the situation (laughs) is people oftentimes sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry. Yes. And when you said that, that really moved me. Because that, that was revealing as to what your priorities are and the way your ministry is structured. Um, and I want you to speak, because I think a, a huge issue, one thing we focus on in this podcast whenever we have people on, is talking about, like Malachi said, bringing the generations back together. Uh, we actually had one guest come on talking about the spirit of Elijah before Jesus returns, restoring the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and sons back to the fathers. Yeah. What would you say to Christians and ministers who feel a lot of the burn of ministry in their time. Uh, how do they align their, their life right with their family? What do you think the Lord's thoughts are concerning this? This will be the most important thing that we talk about now. And I don't want every aspiring minister, every active minister to hear me very, very carefully. There is no more important ministry than your family. Mm. Nothing is more important than your wife and your children. And if you do that right, then all of your other ministry will fall into place. If you are burning out, now listen, there's a heart of compassion and grace behind what I'm about to say, but I need to say it this way. If you're burned out, disassociated, disconnected from your family, it's your fault. Hmm. You have prioritized things incorrectly, but you can fix it. You can fix it absolutely. And there's things you have to do. Listen, there, there are times when I get invited to do something, or it could be, a, a there's moments where it's a big, oh, big church has invited me to come speak. This could be, this could be a good opportunity. 
and I'd been traveling already a lot, and I just say, you know what? No, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I don't want to. I want to stay home with my family and watch a TV show. Mm-hmm. And you got and you got to listen. You got to get out of this out of this mindset of it's all about quality time and not quantity time. Yeah. No, your family <laughs> needs quantity yeah. and quality. They need both. And if you'll prioritize that, now I've had to restructure things. I myself at one time I would spend. Uh, you know, 80 hours a week away from my home. Mm. And I would miss out on a lot of things until this clicked in my spirit and I moved my office to my house. And so at any moment I could go grab my kids and say, all right, let's go throw a ball. You know, let's, let's go, even if it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. let's go spend a few minutes together. Let's go to lunch together because that is the most important thing, spending time with your family. And if you will prioritize that, let your home, here's another tip for you ministers, your home Now, I have my office in my home, so I kind of section this off. Your home should be a sanctuary from ministry, not a place where all that drama comes. Mm. So in your house, it is a sanctuary. Like, I work in my office, but my office is my office. And I don't bring the drama of ministry. Pastors know what I'm talking about. I don't bring that. I do that separately somewhere else. The house is a place that when I walk through the doors, there's a sense of relief, right? There's It's a place of rest. It's a place... So that's really, really key that you have a place of rest separate mm-hmm. from ministry just for you and for your family. Do that, and you'll see a huge difference in your life. I don't even know if I answered your question, but... Oh, no, that was perfect. That was incredible um, because you were very specific. <laughs> because people can always do the jitter. They just grab abstract things out of the air and throw it out there. Yeah. Well, you know, make sure you prioritize your family. Yeah, but how? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah What does yeah. that mean? And to and hear you say... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, to hear you say, no, cancel it. Don't say yes to yes. another conference. Don't do that. That's powerful because that's yes. what people need to hear. It's that hard decision. Or take them with you. Yeah. Take them with you. Yeah. Well, well, I got two kids. So that's my wife, two kids. That's four of us. And the majority of the time we travel together. And listen, it's a sacrifice mm-hmm. because they eat a lot. <laughs> it costs a lot to feed these people. Um, but we believe God Every, everywhere we go. We believe God for the extra, for the plane tickets, for the hotels, you know, I don't, I understand, but what if I can't afford it? Don't go, mm. don't go wow. and wait until the Lord can provide a way. That doesn't mean all the time, but it means the majority of the time, most of the time making your, I've seen so many families, so many children sacrifice on the altar of ministry success. Mm. And what is it going to gain you? If at the end of your life, you have a church of 5,000 people. But your children are separate from God. Wow. They don't know him. Wow. I'm telling you, you're gonna wish you had your you're gonna wish you you listened in this moment and you turn things around. And here's what'll happen. If you just prioritize your family, it, it may take longer mm-hmm. to reach that goal in ministry or what people perceive as success, but it'll come and it'll be so much richer and your mm-hmm. family will be there with you, mm-hmm. participating with you. When I talk with pastors and they say, I'm believing to do this and I'm praying about this, and I think I'm going to do this. Ask, what's your wife think about that? Oh, well, she's not too sure. I said, well, stop. Stop what you're doing. You can't get her on board. What in the world are you doing trying to lead people? Yeah. Outside of your house. So Mm -hmm. let your house be your incubator and your training ground. It's like uh, New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Uh, You know, make it there first, and everything else will be easy. You know, what's, what's crazy earlier when you mentioned the media is kind of like fixating back in like was that the 90s and the 80s on moral failures of ministers. And when we talk about people that are, get caught up in, in a fall or something happening, 
I heard Reinhard Bonnke, Daniel Koland, after Reinhard Bonnke passed away, mentioned on his podcast something that Reinhard had the Lord tell him about when he was very young, before he ever went to Africa in the mission field, because he heard this older minister weeping before the Lord because of his personal sin. And he's like, well, my word, the guy was like in his 60s. And he said, Lord, how do I keep from doing that? <laughs> and the Lord said to him, Reinhard, Keep, he said, I can't quote it exactly. He had a really cool turn of phrase for it, but he basically said, Keep the most important things first. Wow. And w- when you said that you keep the family first, I think back in 2 Timothy, when Paul said, Here's how you find, he said, for bishops and deacons, but he said, For a bishop, he needs to run his house properly, have it in order, let his children be godly. In other words, if you see his house run well and everyone loving one another and everything's cohesive, then you know now he can handle other things outside of his house. And another thought, like, I just want to release it to you, then we can wrap it up. But um, what hit me so strong is you said, if you make family first, then, and God's called you to ministry, it may grow significantly later, but when that happens, you'll have a foundation with your family. How many wow. people could have been saved from traps of the enemy if they had that security in their own house? Think about that. Instead of a bunch of sycophants surrounding you, yeah. you have your family who yeah. know you, who love you, who can take the air out of you, you know, when you need when it needs to happen. It changes everything. And I know there are people watching who say, Well, I'm gonna put put family first. You're supposed to put God first. You're you're thinking of prioritization wrong it's not god yeah. family ministry it's in your family you put god first mm-hmm. in your ministry you put god first on your job you put god first and i would think in that type of hierarchy then it's family mm. and you put god first in your family then it's ministry as you think of it and putting god first in your <sighs> ministry and if you'll do that then there'll be such a fulfillment. And and you ought to be able to point to your children, pastor, mm-hmm. minister, evangelist, and say, if you listen to me, if you heed my message, you could be like them. Mm-hmm. And they ought to be just a shining example, not putting pressure on them to do that, but just simply because you've ruled your house well, mm-hmm. that if you'll follow my advice, here's proof. This could be This could be your life. And I can tell you right now, I could point to my kids who are loving, amazing, not super religious, but Mm. in love with God. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) They've not been cloistered and hidden from the world. You know, we're movie people. We're, you know, we love watching movies. That kind of, I'm not talking about some kind of cultish mentality, but my kids are successful. They're, they're everything they put their hands to Mm. prospers. They don't, they're not wrapped up in the drama of their generation. And so I can say, listen, here's, here's proof of my ministry. And that's Mm. what we ought to be able to do, right? As ministers. Wow. So there's my two cents. I loved it. That was, that was worth more than two cents, I'll tell you. Man, that blew me away. That's my favorite part of the interview, just talking about that. Especially when you uh, mentioned sitting at home and watching TV and how much value that has, like with your family, just like yes. being there. Because those are the things people discount. But Jesus did the same kinds of, but not watch TV, but he did the same kinds of things with his yeah. disciples because he just wanted yes. to be with them. They just He would literally say, listen, we've been doing a lot lately. He actually said in the Gospels, I'm, I'm going to take you guys to a secluded place and we're just going to spend time with each other, having fun. Yes, that's exactly right. And and you see these people that are kind of 
legalistic in how they want to impart into their families, and they're very rigid, and we're going to have a little Bible study here, and a little Bible study there. How about just use moments organically to minister and mm. just live life with each other? Not that you shouldn't do that, uh, but people are so scared of, they're operating off of fear instead of off of faith. Wow. Scared of losing their family, losing their kids. That's the other extreme you can get into, that you just become so hyper-focused on um, baptizing them in spirituality that they don't ever get to know you, hmm. real life, you know, all these things. So it's all about, you know, creating organic opportunities to impart scriptural knowledge. And of course, if you're living together and ministering together, they're getting the education yeah. uh, in and of itself. Absolutely. Well, Pastor, thank you so much. Um, and I, wrapping this up, can you say a prayer over those that are listening that may hear this and say, you know what? I've been doing things wrong. I've got my priorities out of place. I don't feel like I'm prepared for the days that are coming, and I want to get my family in order. Could you pray over them real quick? Yes, yes. Father, as we look back even on this conversation, Lord, we see priorities being the central theme. We come before you now, and we want you corporately together to be glorified in our priorities. We ask now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon every single individual watching right now and every household represented. Let the spirit of revelation remove every blinder the enemy has placed and bring an ease to ministry, to the gospel, through that revelation. We pray for a grace breakthrough now in Jesus' name, that there would be an endowment of power from on high like they have never experienced before, and that with this endowment, there would be an alignment of their priorities and their family, their house. Oh, this is a word for somebody right now. You and your house shall be saved. In Jesus' name, we call in the prodigals. We command them to return now. We call in the salvation of your household right now in the name of Jesus. If you receive that and there's a, an opportunity to write, I receive in the comments, then do that. Write, I receive in the comments. I'll be watching this and, and praying for every single one of you, standing in faith for household salvation. Amen. Man, that's awesome. Bishop DiDio, it has been amazing having you on. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Oh, it's my honor, man. Thank you so much. Let's Absolutely. do it again. Oh, yeah. And uh, everybody watching, I know that that blessed you. Please do tune in for another episode of ISO Insights.